regardless of your circumstances, that is when you win the game. Talk a little bit about like going from that nine to five situation and relying on that income to being without that safety net. So my wife who has a college degree, right, is making $30,000 a year. And so that was very, very scary. Right. Yeah. That's so interesting. All private money, which was a gift. It's the greatest one of the, this was also a great gift of the banks telling us no. Yeah. Because then over time we learn how to do this without the banks. So we do the deal and we make $17,000 on it months later. How many months later? Four months. He gave me the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, one day. Mm, and that's the one, man. That's the one. It'll wreck your mind. Like, you know, oh, like, that's such a special book, man. Isn't it? How Isn't it crazy? Impactful. So I think from a, a wealth building standpoint, like it is the foundation for yeah. you to have that understanding. And you might know how, but until you get under the weight. Wow. This right. Is, this is a big one. But we would sit around and conceptualize all these businesses and talk about business and just the the mental masturbation, right? Of like talking about doing business, but never doing it, right? When you start, it's going to be hard. And what most people underestimate is, I can't expect to be going down the path of financial freedom via real estate uh, without taking steps in real estate and owning real estate. The beginning part is what most people don't make it through is because they have the wrong perception. Now you have something, you heard something, you got a piece of knowledge that changed your perspective. And that was my moment when I had to, and I, and it took me years to get over that, you know, still, but, but it, I had so much insecurity about that. There's going to be one thing that said that changes my, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I went through that too. To get to a higher level, like everyone has to go through that. You have to go through the, uh, uh what are people going to think about me and then reject that thought and go anyway. What was that thought process that got you to, hey, I'm going to keep pressing on. I'm going to keep moving in this direction and not do what. Emotionally, I wanted to do that. Uh, Logically, though, I knew that people who own businesses, if they can survive, if they can figure it out, uh, they will have a more financially free life and a more fulfilling life. And even still to this day, I, I get struck by it. It's a mind game, right? It's the, it's the point of this That's podcast. Right. Welcome to another episode of One Big Head Game. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Um, we got a special guest here today. Uh, uh, I'll tell you a little bit about him, but I want to tell you a little bit about the show and what we're trying to do. Uh, the main goal of this show when we created it is to really uh, try to give you the mental tools uh, to get over things in your life, to overcome challenges, and live a fulfilled life, understanding what's going on inside your head, you know, and that's what we're trying to talk, talk about. That's what one big head game means, you know, because we believe uh, life is one big head game and, and you really need to understand the head game uh, to succeed, to change yourself and change your circumstances. So I'm really excited. We have a good guest in here today. Uh, I've known him for quite a while. Uh, I've heard more about him than I even know about him, even though I do know him. Uh, he lives here in uh, Lafayette or one of the surrounding areas. I'm not sure, but in this area. Okay, but he is in real estate um, uh, and he does a lot of different things in real estate. What makes him special is he's uh, he's not your ordinary real estate investor. It seems like he's doing a lot of different things. And, and one of the reasons I wanted to bring him on here today is because he does so many different things and he does them for different reasons. And uh, and he's going to go through uh, his challenges and, and his story and uh and hopefully that helps you guys kind of correlate to what's going on in your life. So 
So without further ado, we have Logan Bowers here uh, from Lafayette, Louisiana. Logan, good to have you, man. Thanks for thanks for showing up today. Yeah, man, I, I appreciate you for having me on. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited about this. And mm -hmm. yeah, I actually grew up uh, in a neighborhood not, not too far from here. Oh, nice. Um, okay. Five minutes away. Live in Broussard now, but okay. grew up on this side of town. So yeah, yeah. South side of Lafayette my whole life. Yeah, the whole time, huh? Yeah, I, I lived in, in Scott for a, a little time period. A little stint. But all, all around Lafayette, never, never been anywhere else, never mm -hmm. lived anywhere else. Mm. Awesome, man. So, you know, let's kind of talk about a little bit um, of what in your early days, you know, led you here, you think, you know, oh, man. where you're at, you know? Yeah. So I, and tell, tell them a little bit where you're at, you know, yeah, real so, estate investor. Yep. Yeah, so I predominantly do real estate investing. Yeah. Um, I've done all different types of asset classes. Like you said, we'll get into a little bit more of those weeds later on. Sure. Um, and I'm finally, you know, this is something that I think a lot of people, especially if you're younger or, you know, grew up in our generation or even younger than us, struggle with is the lack of clarity on direction. Huh, yeah. And I feel like everyone tries to feel like they have to have it figured out. I feel like For I'm sure. just figuring out who I am as a real estate investor eight years in, yeah. right? I really wow. honing in on the things that I'm good at and the things that I value and the things that I want to do. So I've done a bunch of different things along that road to mm -hmm. kind of get to that point. But I found out about real estate whenever I was still an employee. Mm -hmm. So I, I was working a job and my parents said, go to school, yeah, get a degree, right? which I did, and I'm a college dropout. Yeah. Oh, and okay. Yeah. Nice. I didn't so, know that. So went to school, but I had no purpose or direction. I thought I wanted to be a doctor because you know, doctors help people, and they made a lot of money. I, I was one of those yeah. kids that kind of weird. I didn't know it at the time, but I was one of those kids that like, I just dreamed about being on a jet in a suit going to a business meeting. Like That was always appealing to me. Even though lots of the movies you watch whenever you're a kid, right, like Disney movies and stuff, they, they make the rich people, the wealthy people out to be villains, right? Right. I didn't identify as a villain, but I did see myself in that business context without any real direction. My parents didn't own businesses. Yeah, why do you think that you gravitated that? I would imagine it's because you didn't live in that world before, clearly. That's right. My, my grandparents own businesses, but um, my aunts and uncles and my parents, very few of them actually own businesses. A yeah, couple yeah. of them did, but my both of my grandparents own businesses, and they did well, but they def definitely were not in a place where they were like crazy wealthy. They were not jet wealthy by any means, sure, right? Yeah, yeah. They lived a very comfortable life, but both of my grandparents, sets of grandparents worked their whole lives. So mm -hmm. hard work was something that was instilled in me from, from that time period. And I don't know why. Yeah. I think it was because I, I did, I wondered what that life was like. Yeah, right. Sure, and yeah. I had, had an, just had an affinity for, for that. So I always saw myself in that context, but I never had a clear path to how do I actually get there? Like, how do I attain this? So, yeah. I went to school. You're not born with that path. You no. Have to develop that path. No. Right. So, so I go to school, and I think I want to be a doctor. So I was really good at science, just naturally, science and math. And so go to school, go to college, and you know, drinking beer and playing golf and hunting were way more important to me during that time than actually going to school. So a couple semesters in, one of my good friends, his dad offers me a job at Halliburton mm -hmm. um, to go work in their fluids division, yeah. seven and seven in Fouchon. So I'm like, look, I hate school. I'm not doing great at it because I'm never here. Um, and and here's another caveat. It was the first time I had to apply myself, yeah. right? Yeah. So I, 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 I'm an audible learner. So I love things like this podcast yeah. where I can hear and because I, I learn from lecture. Yeah. Well, when I got to college, 
I couldn't just go to class and absorb the information and make an A on the test. And I actually had to learn how to study and I didn't do that. I just said, hey, this is too hard. I don't know how to do this. I don't have this skill set. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to go have fun. And so um, that leaded to me having not great grades. And so I, I was just feeling like I was failing. I had no direction. I'm like, why would I push through this? So yeah. I, I get this job offer. I go and take the job and leave all my scholarships and tops and all that that jazz, right? And so I start working in the oil field like every good South Louisiana boy does, right? You don't yeah, have direction, yeah. like just go in the oil field. Yeah, yeah. Right? Always something there for you, you know? That's right. As so as you show up. That's right. So now I have no degree and I have all this weight and kind of guilt wrapped around not yeah. finishing school, right? Because yeah. my mom was- Then that starts, yeah. Yeah, my mom and dad were both, my, but dad was like, you know, blue collar worker, still is. And like, he was like, go to college so you don't have to live a life like me. My mom was a college graduate who- worked her whole entire life at one company and retired there as an accountant. And she's like, go to school so this can provide you a better life than we even have. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had different reasons for why they wanted me to do it. But my mom was very much like, hey, dude, like you need to finish school. Yeah. Right. You got to yeah. finish. So I go into the oil field and I'm feeling all this weight and disappointment for that I've let my parents down. And so I'm just like, all right, this is what I am. I'm a college dropout. I'm going to go offshore. I'm going to make as much money as I can. And I did that. And I was making a lot of money and I was spending a lot of money because I didn't know the habits of money then. Right. I was making a lot of spending a lot. I had very little responsibility. And through that process, I ended up meeting my, uh, my manager. He became my manager and also the first mentor I actually had in my life. And he taught me about Jesus and he taught me about real estate. And he started like asking me to, you know, think about my retirement and my future. And I'm like, dude, I just work. I work. I, I invest in my 401k. Like, is that not enough? Like, I just want to go bow hunt and play golf and drink beer. I don't really care about investing. Right. But he kept talking to me about it. And he had a few properties at a time. And, and so he gave me the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, one day. Mm, and that's the one, man. That's the one, That's man. the starter pack. The purple pack. book, right? The starter pack. That's right. This is right. <laughs> I've read it, man. This <laughs> will wreck your mind. Like, you know, it's oh, like. Oh, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, it will change. That, that, that's such a special book, man. Isn't it? How Isn't it crazy? Dude, I don't know. Is there another impact, more impactful book that I mean, Robert Kiyosaki in in the, the recent years, he kind of looks a little crazy, and he's he like, is. you know what I mean, with like the glasses and everything, he looks kind of wacko to me. But but to be honest with you, that book there, I mean, what's more impactful as far as real estate investment and understanding real estate than that book? You know what I mean? There is nothing from a from a foundational level opinion? to go from a. The understanding of what an asset and what a liability is. Right. There is no other foundational book. It's the first book that I recommend to everyone. Yeah, yeah. If they're not even specific, he talks about real estate, but he talks about some more general things, Mm -hmm. general principles of owning assets versus versus liabilities. Yeah. That is way, way, way more um, applicable than just real estate. For right? sure. So, yeah. so I think from a, a wealth building standpoint, like it is the foundation for yeah. you to have that understanding. And so I, it's the it, fundamental, the fundamental, it is yeah, the, it yeah. is the ground floor. It is the, yeah. in your world, right? It is the foundation of the building, right? Like yeah, for sure, we can't do this without digging out these footings and pouring this concrete five feet deep, right? That's like right. that's, and there's nothing more fundamental than your perspective on, on something. That's like right. That because it really starts with your mind. That's why your you know, life is one big head game. That's yeah. right. So, but, uh, so, and the end of 2015, mm-hmm. right? Me and Hillary get married, and we 
I, I was not attending church. I, at the time, I said I was a proclaimed atheist, right? Really? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Interesting topic. I didn't, yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah, man. So I, I would, I, at that time, I was like, people that believe in Jesus are dumb. They're, mm. they're not wise. They're not smart. They just need some hope because they're hopeless. Like they're, I was 25 years old and thought I knew everything, right? Yeah. Um, as, as every 25 year old does. For right. The most part. So. The reason to go to church was because I wanted my kids to grow up in that environment because we had just gotten married in November. You looked at it as a positive environment, nonetheless. That's right. Like, right. like I don't care if I believe in this pixie dust or not. I want my kids to be in this environment because I see that there's fruit here. That's right. I mean, right? everyone can see that. Yep. You know? So that's the excuse we used to go. And so we go to church and ended up giving my life to Christ in December 14th of 2015. So oh, wow. This becomes awesome. a, the catalyst to a lot of things. So like I'm now I'm on fire and I'm like telling everyone about Jesus. Well, later that year, Brandon gives me Rich Dad, Poor Dad in 2016, the beginning of 16. Yeah. So now I'm like Jesus and real estate, right? Because like yeah. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I realized like everything that I thought was an asset, like my golf clubs and my vehicle, like these are no, even my primary residence. Stealing like, from you, right? These are all liabilities. I'm yeah. like I own no assets. So, mm-hmm. dude, I go on this tear. Because at the time I have about twenty five thousand dollars, right? So I'm like, how can I invest this money? I'm yeah. like, like I gotta invest today, and what I landed on was the um, the bulk ice places, right? Yeah. Because at the time like I didn't ice vending machines. Yeah, basically. yeah, yeah. The, the the standalone buildings where you go, you buy the ice machine, you set it up, people come, yeah, and because yeah. it was the only thing that was in the price range of the capital that I had. And so that's kind of in April, I I read that book of 2016 and then move on to May. We find out we're pregnant with Jude, our first, our first child, our oldest son. And then a week later, me and my business partner and mentor and manager at the time, he's not my business partner yet, but he's about to be. We went from a company that had 1100 people globally in 2014 to down to 200 people by April of 2016. Yeah. With the oil prices crashing, yeah. and now we are getting let go together on the same day, wow. and the company's going from 200 to 150. So they let 50 people go that day, wow. which is 25% yeah, of the yeah. company, right? Yeah, so, yeah. so I made it a long way into the cut, especially being a non-degreed young yeah. guy. You know, I just I made it very deep. We were kind of waiting sure. for that day to happen. We didn't know it was yeah. going to be together, so that yeah. happens. And he's like, "Hey, man, like, are you ready to do this real estate thing?" Because, yeah. but we would sit around and conceptualize all these businesses and talk about business and just uh, the, the mental masturbation, right? Oh of like gosh, talking about doing business, but never Golly, doing it, dude. right? I've done that. I mean, you know, I'm a businessman. I, I own businesses, but I've, I've done that so many times. And to be honest, like thinking about that right now, it doesn't even, it's just exhausting. It is. You know what I mean? And I guess it, it took me a long time because, uh, you know, I've, I've had many ideas. I'm a brainy guy and I think a lot. I never stop thinking, yep. you know, so I'll think about uh, 10,000 things all the time. And, uh, but I take action on a few of them. So I just think about it. Like, it's just, here we go again with my mind. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter. And if anybody's listening, all of those thoughts and ideas do not matter until you back them up with action, actually put something in place. And that's what me and me and Logan were talking about before uh, we started taping here a minute ago. And we'll get into it a little bit more. But uh, but yeah, everybody has that thing. And uh, and I think part of winning in business is just being in business and uh, yes. and taking steps forward. And there's going to be risks. You know, everybody's scared. I'm scared yes. many times, for sure. If you're not scared, like, you ain't doing anything uh, risky, for sure. 
Um, so there's always going to be that risk. There's no way to mitigate all the risks. There's no way to do it perfectly. The only perfect way to do it is to start, you know, and that's perfect. That's right. You have to do that. You yeah. Know? And look, anyway, y'all were doing that, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so, so we get in and, and at the time, many different businesses, even other businesses. And I'm sure you're trying to explore all, all alternatives, especially if you, you're, you don't have your main source of income anymore. Oh, you're you're thinking a lot. Well, we were doing this before we lost it because we kind of yeah. knew it was coming. So this yeah, is like yeah, two yeah. years in the making that oh, we yeah, really yeah. start. Like we had the idea of grocery delivery before waiter became cool. Yeah, yeah. Right? Or before shipped and all these groceries. So, but sure. we were going to do it from a different model. We had this idea, which we didn't execute on, so it's worth nothing. Exactly. But we had this idea. Of, we had all this empty warehouse space. Mm-hmm. In Broussard, mm-hmm. right? That's the, where the, predominantly the oil field is down here. Is like all these warehouses that were going vacant because these companies are going under, right? Because of the oil prices. So we're like, look, we could take Rouse's and shrink the floor, the 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 footprint of Rouse's down to a quarter of the size mm-hmm. if we didn't have to have all this display and retail. And we were going to provide a service where we were housing all the groceries. Mm-hmm. People would go onto an app and they would place their order and then we would take it from the warehouse and deliver it straight to their house. Now that model is a little bit different of how they do it now. Yeah. They go they to the retail stores. Yeah, they yeah. don't distribute, but we were like, we could, we could cut margins from the, these, these, you know, um, retail stores and we have, there's a place where we could provide this convenience. So we had this fantastic model that, mm-hmm. you know, um, could have been executed on, but we didn't cause we were afraid. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I always looked at it as a gift. I don't look at it as a gift at that time, but me losing my job was the greatest gift that I ever got. Yeah. Um, yeah. because it forced me out of the comfort zone and it, it was one of those situations where it's like, if I don't do this now and I sat around, don't get me wrong. Like, let me, let me not skip over this. I sat around, Bo, and felt sorry for myself for a few weeks because I had put all my stock in my ability to produce and work hard. I'm like, they don't see the value in me. How could they let me go? Yada, 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 right? sure. And so I did that for a bit, and then Brandon just continued to call me and prompt me and just say, hey, man, like, are you ready to do this? And I'll never forget this day ever in my entire life. I'm sitting on my sofa in my boxers with a t-shirt on for the company that just let me go. Yeah. I'm watching ESPN first take and Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless are arguing about something. Right. I have my computer on my lap and I'm applying for jobs back at Halliburton where I had left years before. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm applying for the same job that I had years ago whenever I got out of college. Right. And I, I I just had the, one of those clear, those those super, you know, clarity moments of like, this is the definition of insanity. I was miserable. I hated someone controlling my time. I hated not being able to be creative and explore options and, and, and just create and just pursue things in business because, you know, we, I always had supervisors. I am trying to get back into the same boat that yeah. I hated. Yeah. And, and I complained that I was miserable. And I was like, this is the definition of insanity. I picked up my phone. I called Brandon. And I was like, hey, dude let's do this real estate thing. I don't know what this looks like, but like, let's do it. And that was the day that I decided to get into real estate. Right. Yeah. That's so interesting, man. You think you, uh, you think that, uh, that fear led you to that laptop, obviously fear. Oh yeah. 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 Mostly the fear of what other people would think Mm. if I couldn't maintain Mm. what I already had. Yeah. Wow. This right? is this is a big one. Yeah, yeah. Like this fear that like this perception of who Logan is and w- what life I'm supposed to have and like yep. how much money I'm supposed to make like this and I had this this big chip on my shoulder right cuz I was trying to prove my parents wrong that I didn't need college to be successful. Yeah. So I have all those emotions wrapped in it too and I'm like I got to go and make sure that I can support my family and do the right thing. Right. 
So that was the big driver. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I went through that too. I went through that too. I think everybody in their growth stage to get to to get to a higher level, like everyone has to go through that. You have to go through the uh, uh, what are people going to think about me, and then reject that thought and go anyway. You yeah. Ha- yeah. You, you kind of have to have that. I I'd had that. I graduated law school. I think I've talked to it, uh, talked about it on other uh, podcasts, but. After I graduated law school, um, I didn't get my law license immediately. It took me a little while. I, I passed the bar, but they were kind of suspect because I got in trouble for fighting and stuff in the past and a couple other things. And uh, and I went another direction, and then I ended up getting into construction, um, and I had no idea what I was doing. And I, re- I really do remember uh, one of the first couple jobs we did uh, – you know, I had to make the money because I had quit my job and I had to cut costs on the project as much as I could. So that means me doing labor, you yep. know, and if I can do the labor, I was like, if I, if I do this, if I can figure out how to do this, I make more money and I have more of a chance to continue paying bills and all this kind of stuff. And, yep. and I was painting in a house and I was like, what am I doing? I was like, I was going up that wall and I was like, what in gosh name led me here? Right. I was like, I'm supposed to be a professional. You know, I took the bar exam. I uh, you went to law I school. I went to law school and graduated. I took the LSATs. I have a finance degree. I have all of these things. And what the heck am I doing painting this wall while my friends are uh, schmoozing it up at the big big tier law firms in Baton Rouge and New Orleans? You know, making a hundred, hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. What am I doing? And uh, and that was my moment. When I had to, and I and it took me years to get over that, you know. Still, but but it, I had so much insecurity about that because if I, I thought about it, and I was like, if these guys could see me doing this, they would think that I'm just some sort of you know idiot, you know. Like, what am I doing? Am I out of my mind? Yeah. Why did I go to college? Why did I spend all this money on college so I could paint this wall? And it was nuts, man. It's, it's it was mentally it was very hard to to get through that all the way. You know? what, what do you think was the driver for that? I mean, what, what, what do you, in that moment, yeah. right? Yeah. You, you, you have to, you, you now have a decision to make, Yeah. right? Cause you, we can't control the thoughts that come in, but we yeah. can control the decision we make from those thoughts. So mm-hmm. what, what, for you, mm-hmm. what was that thought process that, that got you to, Hey, I'm going to keep pressing on. I'm going to keep moving in this direction yeah. and not do what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Um, I think that it was knowledge. I thought about it pretty logically. Emotionally, I wanted to give up, get away, get something that appeared nice and was more comfortable, obviously. Yep. Emotionally, I wanted to do that. Uh, logically, though, I knew that people who own businesses, if they can survive, no matter what the business is, it doesn't matter the business, but if they can survive, if they can figure it out, uh, they will have a more financially free life and a more fulfilling life that they're able to control their time and be themselves uh, over time. I knew that. I knew that. And I said, uh, if this is what it takes, it is what it is. If I can sit here and get through this, all I have to do is continue on. And one day I will be where I want to be. And uh, And that's what it was because, you know, I knew that I hated what I was doing. I was a financial advisor, and 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 what I had to do for that is basically make a lot of cold calls to older or elderly people with a couple hundred thousand dollars in their account and yep. switch them to an annuity or something. And that was it was terrible. 
I liked making the calls. I don't I don't mind making calls and connecting with people and talking to people. But that product did nothing for me. I felt like it didn't do anything for my people that I was talking to. I didn't believe in it. And I was wearing a suit every day. I felt like that wasn't me. I was miserable. And uh, and I just kept remembering. I was like, I don't know anything about this construction. I don't know anything about running a business or being a leader. At that point, I was I was far away from actually being a leader or or managing people or really managing expectations. I was just figuring out how to operate a business, yep. generally speaking. And uh, but I knew those things. And uh, and I said, you know what? I, I will be that guy. I will grind it out for 20 years if I have to, to make it work. And I'll deal with the emotional stuff that, that, that comes along with that. And I'll grit it out. And if I'm not prepared for it, I'll figure it out then. And I'm still doing that. You know, like, uh, I still to that, to this day have, have never been a nine to five guy with another company still from that day. And I've had some success. Um, I've had a lot of failures. I've been burned uh, many times. I've lost lost money in different relationships, and uh, but I've learned a lot. But I'm still here, and I'm still grinding it out, and and I'm still willing to, you know. Yeah. I, I was talking to my wife the other day, and uh, and there was this guy that I grew up with, and uh, and he was like, um, he knew me pretty well, you know. He's an acquaintance of mine. He was like, uh. He's like, Bo, I would, I would never uh, fight you, you know. Um, and I was like, Why? He's a big guy. I'm like, you know, why you probably, probably have a good chance, you know, or something like that. Yeah. And he was like, Because you'll never give up. You'll never, uh, you'll never stop. And uh, that's what's kept me going is because I have, I have emotional problems. I've, I've been in depressions plenty of times. I have. I've been battling an anger problem since I was two feet tall. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and and a, a hot-tempered nature. Um, uh, but uh, but that's one thing I have. I'll, I'll just stay in. I, I'll stay all the way in. And I think that's – if I had to boil entrepreneurship down to one quality, yeah. it's the ability to persevere. Yeah. Like that, that's, you, you have to. You have to. And, and, and what you did was – what you articulated there, which was so great, it was like just – you made a bet on yourself yeah. and you're, and you're willing to continue to make that bet. And yeah. that's where I was in 2016 is like, that yeah. was the first bet I had ever made on Logan. I yeah. said that I was making bets on myself or I thought that yeah. I was yeah, 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 by yeah. showing up to a job. And, but exactly. I was, I was not, I had yeah. a lot of security and I didn't have to make decisions that I had the responsibility for those yeah. outcomes. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. when you start a business or you get into real estate investing or you're making bets on yourself and you have to deal with the repercussions, mm. good or bad. That's right. And a lot of times what pe keeps people locked up in those, you know, those fuzzy handcuffs, right, is yeah. that they're afraid to make the wrong decision. And the truth is you're going to. And yeah. you're going to make a lot of bad I decisions, know, know, right? Because you have to learn how to make decisions by making bad decisions and good decisions yeah. and, and dealing with the outcome. And it's the ability to continue to persevere whenever you make the wrong ones. Yeah. That's what makes people successful in my mind or not, or stay in business or not, is that one thing is like, what are you going to do? In the words of Mike Tyson, right? Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Yeah. What are you going to do when you get punched in the face? Yeah. Yeah. Right? And all the yeah. people that I know that are successful in business, they've been punched in the face and they get they, they stand back up and they get back in the ring. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And one thing I've had to grow from that point till now you know, I didn't have a full commitment of myself because there was so, so much uncertainty. I just had an idea That's right. of the commitment. I was just like, you know, uh, I'm going to go down this road. I have no idea, you know, and uh, 
And I was like, I'm younger, which at the time, you know, I went to law school, I did all this stuff and I was way behind, you know, like I, I still to this day, I'm like, golly, man, I spent so much time in school. I wish I would have just, you know, committed to myself and, and figured it out from the beginning. But, you know, it is what it is. But, sure. uh, but you have to recommit yourself constantly and grow through those commitments because the, the journey is, is changing at every, every stage. And, and something just popped in my head. I was like, uh, you know, the people that succeed and survive, survive first, then thrive and, and level up and keep going with their business and keep, you know, blessing people, their families, th themselves, um, uh, are the people that, uh, where their commitment to themselves is unconditional. You know what I mean? Yes. Because a lot of people will say, uh, I will uh, commit. I, I believe in myself uh, if it turns out this way. You know, if it, if, but if it goes south, like, I can't trust myself to go down that road. You know what I mean? Yep. So they can do it to a certain extent, and their uh, threshold level for the pain, essentially, is, is to a certain degree. And some people, luckily for them, they don't have to go down that road because they experience a certain level of success, and, and, yep. uh, and, and they're insulated from some of that pain. But, um, but the pain is going to come the pain. Yeah, I mean, oh yeah. I mean, and, and to, in whatever way it that's comes. right. The, and, you know, Paul, and when he's writing and, and I think in Ephesians, like he promises that there will be suffering, like suffering is a necessary uh -huh. thing in this life. Like we are going to suffer, right? 100%. No matter if you try to avoid it or not, you're just uh -huh. going to be less prepared when it happens. Yeah. Cause suffering is coming. Pain is coming. Yeah. Whether all the exterior things that the world measures is is good you have a good job you have a nice house you have a good marriage you have kids are in private all these things if internally you are depressed none of that stuff matters right so it's like there suffering is going to come there are going to be things if you do all the right things mm -hmm. there will still be things that happen that you have no control over that affect you negatively so like suffering is coming so i just have lived in a posture that i'm going to be prepared for that suffering Cause I'm going to put myself in situations where I'm uncomfortable so that I know what this feels like. And I know what that weight is like whenever it comes, when I don't want it to come yeah. and I can handle it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And something you said just reminded me of like, just everyone thinks of belief and or confidence or the ability, like we think about it a lot in linear terms, like it's on or it's off. Like I have integrity or I don't have integrity or I, I am I do persevere or I don't persevere yeah. or I, whatever. It's very linear thinking a that's one funny, or zero, yeah. right? Yeah, that's true. But that's not the, that's not how we actually operate. Right. It's like, I consider myself a truthful person, but that doesn't mean I've never told a lie because I have. Right. I'm sure. Right. So it's we're not, all sinners. Exactly. We're all human beings. So it's yeah. like, it's what you said earlier is like, it's, the how much do you believe in yourself right yeah it's not a do you or don't you it's like how much do you have mm. and in entrepreneurship and investing you just have to have enough faith yeah for one more day right and you just have to have enough belief right. in yourself that you can make one more day happen that's right and that's how you that's how you eat this elephant right one day at a time one bite at a time yeah and that's uh that's funny that you say that because you know for people listening uh me and Logan were talking before the podcast, kind of warming up on the couch here. And uh, and we were talking about an experience I had, you know, yesterday that kind of crushed me a little bit mentally, but I was working through it in my head. And, uh, and what you just said was very interesting because, you know, in the beginning, you know, if you are looking to start a business or you, you look at the idea, I won't even call it entrepreneurship, you know, that word gets thrown around a lot. Um, 
you know, if you're just wanting to take more control over your financial situation and uh, and and take the reins uh, through business ventures, through uh, uh, being a proprietor, offering products and services to people as an independent contractor, whatever it is, um, uh, you really just have to have enough courage and belief in yourself to start that because yes. you're not going to have you're not going to have the courage, belief, and commitment to yourself to finish this thing because you have no idea what is going to happen and you have no idea what's coming and it's going to be much more difficult and much more rewarding than you even think. You know, a lot of people don't yeah. talk about that either. They talk about how hard it is. They talk about um, how difficult everything is and the emotional swings and the ups and downs. But at the same time, you know, uh, when you have that freedom and you've given yourself a, 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 a couple months to breathe uh, financially, it's very rewarding, you know. But you got to have enough uh, uh, belief and commitment in yourself to take the first step. Start. And I've done that in many areas of my life, but there's one big one that I haven't, and it's killing me. You know, it's it crushes me, but it is what it is. I got to deal with it. That's you know, right. I am where I am. Right. Yep. Yeah. 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 Lying to ourselves doesn't doesn't help our situation. No. And be, lying to about, about where we're at and not being honest with ourselves doesn't. No. Doesn't, doesn't serve us. No. I've done that in the past for sure. Everybody. Everybody. You know, when you start in business, that's the that's the conundrum of small business. Uh, it's like little Napoleon syndrome. You know, when you start a business or when you start a construction company, you want all your uh, your customers to think that you have a big team. Or like you start a tech company and like, oh, yeah, let me get my manager on that. You know, you've got some person overseas that's, uh, that's uh, like yes. answering emails yes. for you. It's, everybody wants to appear big, but I, th I feel like uh, um, one of the things that's special about small businesses is that they don't have those things. And they don't have a lot of those hurdles or inconsistencies yeah. with all those, you know, team members. But anyway, that's uh, that's something that's common, you know. Yeah, and but I think that. I think this is a core belief of mine that I don't know to be like, I don't know if I've articulated it this way before, but I, I believe that you have everything that you need for the season that you're in right now. Yeah. I think that there's way too much belief that there's way too much focus on the lack yeah. and not enough focus on like use what you have, like yeah. what you have is enough for the season that you're in. Yeah, you yeah. just have to apply it. Right. And, yeah. and most of the time we're looking at other people and this is like a, a principle that I really am starting to, just get even more. I already have it ingrained, but it's just becoming more real. It's like in nature, right? In in the, in the physical world, mm -hmm. right? We there's a shift, right? And what you, you just talked about it, like the shift from consuming to creating, mm -hmm. right? And Solomon talks about this in Ecclesiastes that most people are trying to get to a place where they have this comfortable life, and it says in Ecclesiastes five that they those people that are wealthy they don't sleep well at night. Mm -hmm. But the ones who have their hands to the plow and are doing work, they rest peacefully. Yeah. Right. So everyone's trying to get to this place of I don't have to do anything anymore. I have all this autonomy with my money and my time. But yeah. that doesn't lead to fulfillment. Yeah. Where fulfillment comes is in the production like trees. Yeah. An apple tree, for example, it, it produces apples, but those apples are not for it. Yeah. Right. A cow produces milk. The milk is not for the cow that produced the milk. It's for the baby cow to drink it. Yeah. Like a, a deer like is, is alive so that a coyote or another animal can eat that deer, right? The, it, <laughs> yeah. what, what in nature and how we're designed, I was hardwired into us. I believe the guy designed us this way and the whole universe that we are meant to produce. Mm. And when we it's are really producing and creating, we are allowing place for someone else to consume what we're producing because everyone wants to produce and consume. Right. Mm -hmm. 
or consume what other people are producing. Yeah. But the goodness, the fulfillment mm. is when you are the creator, when you are the producer, yeah. right? And then you have something for other people to consume. Now, money becomes a byproduct of that. But the core of it is that we are designed to create and be productive. And the moment you stop, I don't care where you're at. I have friends who are very wealthy that have no purpose in their life. I have people that are that are, have nothing. You would look at them like they have, and they're so overjoyed because they are producing something. Yeah. And so when we get to produce something for someone else to consume, yeah is the most filled you'll ever be. So what the point of all this is to say that it's not about us. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's not a, like the things that we have, the gifts that we have are not to serve us. And if you're just simply trying to do something different to serve yourself, yeah. that can get you a short amount, but that is not going to get you through decades or years of business and hard things. When we're focused on producing for others, mm -hmm. that is when we're fulfilled. And yeah. also in turn, like that's when you make money too, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's exactly right. Solomon also said that uh, I I I didn't uh, 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 I didn't turn myself down to any any desires that I had, and I gave myself everything, and I amassed all of this gold and treasure and everything that I want, and it was all meaningless. Meaningless. Yeah, he said that too. So it's in the Bible um, uh, that we're that we're wired that way. Yeah. There was you know? a there was a there was a podcast I listened to the other day and it was this lady articulated in a way that I've never heard articulated and and everyone's seeking she said there's external and internal or you know subjective and objective is the term she used yeah freedom yeah right mm -hmm. and subjective freedom right is what we choose right objective freedom is actual I'm making more income I have more resources than than what I, you know, um, I'm, I'm making more income than what I am spending, right? You need, that's yeah, the financial that's freedom piece, right? That's yeah. what everyone's chasing, this objective freedom and yeah. what they call freedom. Yeah. But the real piece happens on the inside with the subjective freedom. When you perceive to be free, reg regardless of your circumstances, that is when you win the game, guys. Like yeah. that is, that is when, that's how you win life is like, I am free on the inside, no matter what my circumstances are. Do I have doubts? Yes. Do I have fears? Do those things come? But I'm always reminded that I am free because I'm alive today. Like I, yeah. I, today is a gift of being alive. And like right. that gratitude of sitting that and it's like, all right, I can't have a bad day now. Are bad things going to happen? Probably. But I can't have a bad day because I'm free on the inside because I know that those circumstances and whatever's happening in life, they don't define who I am. Mm -hmm. They're not going to affect eternity for me. Yep. They're not going to change my perspective. I have to deal with them. Sometimes they suck, but sometimes yeah. they're great, but they are, they're not, the external stuff is not the goal. That's right. Yeah. A hundred percent. You know, I've, I think I've said that in this podcast before, you know, to be fulfilled, it's, it's a, it's a perception and, uh, and it all starts from gratitude yep. and, um, it's a mind game, right? It's the, it's the point of this podcast, right? right? It really is the point of this podcast. It's not, you know, I didn't want this to just be a business podcast or, um, or talk about producing money and things like that. I wanted to really get to the root of the things that interest me, which is my mind and how to grow, uh, and understand myself and understand these perceptions. And, um, and that's why I bring on people like you who are experienced at, uh, uh, looking inside of themselves and understanding what's really going on rather than avoiding the many, the many mm. things. Most, most people avoid, mm the uh the hard things about learning about themselves that's why people don't 
really know what they want or know where they're going, it's because they haven't really turned yeah. the lens inside and, and understand not only how they work, but how human beings work. Yes. <laughs> because we are all of that category and we are all made that way. So there's going to be consistencies between uh, human beings. So yes. your experience is, is uh, your own experience and your subjective experience. But for the people listening, uh, they have all had these feelings too. Yep. You know? And it's very interesting to me. But yeah, it's I have always said that. There's a really, really good book, uh, um, uh, Victor Frankl. Uh, you've heard yes. about that, you know, Man's Search for Meaning. She referenced that book when she on the podcast. When oh, she was really? Talking about. That was that yeah. was the book that she kind of yeah. went that caused her to go down yeah. that 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 mm-hmm. that thinking path to come up yeah. with these two. Like, hey, it's, these are the t- only two options we have: yep. internal and external. And yeah. he had the worst external. That's right. And yet he had internal. So there's got to be something here, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's the marquee book for perspective and yes. gratitude. It's because it's it's because you can talk about that all day long, but if you're riding around in a brand new car and you live in a 3000 square foot house and stuff, and like you've chosen to be grateful for that. Yeah. Congratulations. That's not that hard. You know, it's not hard to be grateful (laughs) for that because it's just not hard. Yes. Uh, But when you are in a concentration camp and you're being persecuted as a Jew for years on end with no end in sight and with, uh, uh, perceivingly, uh, you know, no hope. um, And then you take the grateful route. That's why that book is powerful because um, everyone who listens or watches or reads that book uh, uh, can't even imagine what that was like, much less having a positive outlook on that circumstance. For sure. So So, yeah, it's the marquee book. Yeah. I've read it. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's, uh, it's ridiculous, but, uh, but yeah, it's all about perception and, um, and understanding where you are. But, but yeah, I I love the uh, analogy you made about, um, uh, producing versus consuming, you know, uh, I had like the last couple of days I've, I've been very active, you know, I've, I've kind of doubled down on my activities, yep. you know, because a lot of the time I try to micromanage my time. I try to say, okay, you know, uh, I'm going to put time into this, that, and the other, and then I'm going to force myself to go down that road and then see what happens from mm-hmm. that, you know, and see what consequences happen. But Sometimes in business, it just takes a lot of action. Sometimes it just takes starting a million conversations with people and seeing where it goes. Yeah, you know? it, it takes way. And that's the, the biggest perspective shift is this is all about perception, right? It's like, yeah. When you start, it, it's going to be hard. And what most people underestimate is the amount of energy it takes at the beginning to yeah. start moving the ball up the hill, start yeah. to start making the snowball. But it gets easier, right? over time but the beginning part is what most people don't make it through is because they have the wrong perception of you know for example when you're making cold calls like this happens all the time in my world it's like i used to coach real estate agents and like they think they're going to make 10 calls and they're going to get five clients and i'm like hey look the average agent takes 50 conversations to sell one house yeah you're brand new so you got to talk to two or three hundred people to convert one client because you don't know what you're doing yet. Yeah. You can cure that by doing the volume and get better. Yeah. And so them not having that proper perspective will cause them to quit before they get to the gold. Right. It's like they could be the best cold caller on the planet, but if they don't give it enough time, they'll never know that because they have the, the, the sample size is too small. And I think that for pe- most people, when they start something new, whether it be business or not, anything is like we have this um, incorrect perception 
that we should be good at something when we start is like, no, like we should suck. Mm -hmm. We should anticipate sucking and we should know that it's going to take us a while to get past that. And if we can just get past that, there will be fruit there, you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah. most people don't, they don't, they underestimate the amount of activity it takes to get oh, yeah. going and be success, what they would consider successful at the thing. Right. Cause they're listening to people like this on a podcast or people that are, you know, in, in, in my world, like that have, I'm listening to people that have 10,000 units yeah. and I'm comparing my insides to their outsides and that's not a fair comparison. I no. haven't, I haven't walked that path. I, I can't have the expectation that I'm going to have the same results when I haven't put in the same amount of energy and effort yeah, on the front yeah, side, you know, yeah, even though we do still battle that. You yeah. Know? I mean, it's funny. It's funny. Like even guys like me who mm -hmm. like, I'm, I'm trying everything. Uh, I'm trying to learn at every stage of my life and, uh, and, uh, and prepare myself for those expectations. So I'm, I'm, I'm no stranger to meeting people who are much more successful than me. You know, I've, I have a lot of friends who have been very, very successful financially. Right. Um, uh, whether or not there's other factors, obviously, yep. uh, but just talking about financial. Um, uh, and, uh, and even still to this day, I, I get struck by it. You know, it's uh, because I want to win. You know, I, yeah. I, uh, I was, I'm wired this way. I'm wired to think highly of myself and I battle my ego every day. Uh, but, uh, I'm wired to think I'm, and I've told the people this many times. I, I truly, truly believe that, you know, I can do anything. So there's no excuse for me not to do these things that I want to do. So I'm constantly not giving myself an excuse. So I'm constantly comparing myself to the perceived best version of myself and it's not fun. It's not fun to do that. It's 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 a good exercise because it keeps you going and it keeps you uh, sharp yep. and it keeps you uh, striving to be the best version of yourself. But it's a double edged sword too. You know, mentally it's very hard to deal with those those uh, the consequences of that perception. For sure. And uh, and I had that happen. That's what me and Logan were talking about before we started taping. Is I had a conversation with a guy who I grew up with yesterday, or a couple guys. And, uh, and by all accounts, you know, like, uh, you know, we're the same, we're the same age, you know, um, we're both very good looking guys and, uh, and, uh, but, but he went down a little bit different path in real estate specifically in your world. Yep. And, uh, and I haven't gone down that path, even though I've been watching that path for a long time, yep. I've been studying that path. I've been, I've been knowing a lot about that path. I've been knowing that that's, that's, that's where I need to be eventually. You yep. know what I mean? That's, that's the one. And I haven't taken steps forward in that arena for many different reasons, you know, uh, but there's no excuse for me to not have taken a step forward in it beyond studying. Yep. Um, and I haven't. And he did uh, years ago. And he's at a level now in real estate that, you know, when I think about like my uh, illustrative future real estate career, I would aspire to be where he's at now. Yep. And it blows my mind. I'm like, what am I doing? I'm like, and yeah, like I've been in all of these other businesses. I've learned a lot about just business in general, construction management, all these things. And, uh, and so many different areas of business because I go down so many roads, you know, and I experience so many different things, but, uh, but that was so challenging to see and to hear and to digest because I look at myself and I'm like, uh, yeah, you don't have an excuse. There's your proof that you're not doing what you need to do and you didn't do what you should have done. And, uh, and you're going to have to swallow that pill and deal with it. You can either let yourself crumble 
um, or uh, and uh, and just beat yourself up about yep. it and feel like you're less than. And it's going to leak into everything else I do. So, so if I feel like I'm less than in that area, I'm going to feel like I'm less than in my body image, for instance. Yep. I'm going to feel like I'm less than in my current uh, uh, main business. I'm going to feel less than in my skills in different business. It's all going to leak into there. Or on the flip side, I can swallow the pill, uh, understand that this is where I'm at and this is just a part of my journey and learn. For sure. And learn and and start taking the steps and learn from the fact right there that my 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 mistake there was not taking the steps when I could have, and I have to live with that. But uh, that's the mistake, and I have to learn from that. And now the 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 the, the cure for that is to take the steps. That's right. Because it's not all the other. It's just that. It's it's know? it's not a uh, it's not a fun pill, pill to swallow. No. It's one of those you swallow it and you like throw it back up and you have to like swallow it again. It's like oh, oh my yeah. god, like this is well, I, yeah. You know? I, I, I don't want to ch- throw it up. I want to just I, I got to do it. That's right. Know? That's the only choices you have. Yeah. Those right. You can look and say all right, cool, and you can spit that pill in the trash can. Yeah. Which is what a lot of people do. Yeah. Unfortunately, oh. right? Oh, yeah. they, they they say, Hey, this is uh, this is too hard to swallow. I'm just gonna spit it out and keep on going. Yeah. And and that's what I think again, this is the this this is the distinction between people who are, you know, yeah. successful yeah. or not is like they you swallow the pill. Mm-hmm. And now now you, you, you have something, you heard something, you got a piece of knowledge that changed your perspective. Mm-hmm. And now you can let it change your actions or not. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I did. I, just to be clear, this is not something that's new to me. I've been knowing I should have taken those steps a long time ago. Yep. But I've been distracted. I've been emotionally unstable at times because of my business. And I've been thrown around in many different areas. So I have taken that pill before, but I did spit that out many yep. times. But I've never talked about it on camera. So now <laughs> I have to I have to swallow the pill. <laughs> But it, the conversation yesterday was completely different. But I, I just talk about it because it's a good exercise for people to see because that's it. You yeah. know, it's, it, you know, um, uh, learning without changing your actions is, uh, uh, you know, insanity, right? Like that's they right. say, you know, it's futile. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what's the saying? They say, uh, Doing you know, the same thing, expecting yeah, a different result. Exactly. Is the definition exactly. of insanity. And that's kind of what I was, I can't expect to be uh, um, uh, going down the path of financial freedom via real estate uh, without taking steps in real estate and owning real estate. So, uh, you know. My, my favorite analogy to to demonstrate that is, you know, you work out, I swear, we, we, we met at yeah, the yeah, gym, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah. so, so um, is that. I can give you all the videos. I mean, I could For like sure. just give you a YouTube series to teach you how to bench press. I could mm-hmm. give you a book that tells you all about the physiological, you know, pieces of the muscles and why this happens. And you could have a book on instruction of how you're going to bench press. And yes, you're not going to be any better at bench pressing. You might know how, but until you get under the weight, right. And yes. get the reps in, yes. you're not going to build the muscle any stronger. And guess what? It hurts. Oh yeah. It hurts when you're building muscle, right? It's not it's it hurts, yeah. but yeah. you have to get underneath the weight. And yeah. most people live in the the education land and and listening to things I and know. and all those things are good because guess what they do? They give you perspective. I, I I've been to a bunch of conferences I enjoy going to and people are like, "Why yeah. do you go to these conferences?" I'm like, yeah. "Cuz cuz somebody's going to say there's going to be one thing. I might be there for 3 or 4 days. Yeah. There's going to be one thing that's said that changes my perspective." Yeah. And my new perspective then gives me a new way to operate, right? Exactly. But it's still, I still have to execute. 
I still yeah. have to operate. I still have to go and do the hard things, right? I still have to go and lift the weights, mm -hmm. right? And it, and the only way you're going to get stronger is if you get under the weight, yeah. right? And yeah. so now I think you're in that place where you're like, all right, I've been talking about it. I've been going to the gym and looking at the bench press, but I think now you're ready to get under the weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done it in other areas. I just haven't done it in that area. And uh, 100%. I, I told my – I was pissed last night. I was super angry, man, like at myself. I mean, it, it's, it's fleeting, you know. I, yeah. I do it. Uh, and I release it, you know, yeah, today, uh, when grace, I went to bed, yeah. I, it, it took a little longer to go to bed last night because I was toiling about it a little bit, but you know, I wake up today, I understand what I'm doing and, uh, understand where, where I need to go. But last night I was, I was pissed, man. I was like, I'm, I was like, I'm, I'm selling all my oh stuff. My I was like, I'm divesting from all my, uh, all my securities, dude. I'm calling my friend. I'm pulling my bank account. I'm doing all this. I'm selling my watches. I'm, I'm doing, buying something. And it's all going into real estate in 90 days. I don't care. Yeah. I was like, no, I'm doing this. Like, I was, uh, I was just so angry. Uh, and so I don't good. think I'm going to do those things. I'm going to do some of them. I right. really am. Right. But, uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's just a process, man. But it's all about about all about starting. So, speaking of starting, you yeah. know, like you you we we talked about you and uh, the mentor. Yep. And uh, so you guys started your thing. What what products did you get into first, and and what was it like? Talk a little bit about like going from that nine to five situation and relying on that income to uh, uh, being without that um that safety net. Yeah, man, it was, it was a, that's a big one. It, it was wild, about. man. We were, we were, I was probably just so you guys can have some, you know, some numbers to wrap around I, between me and my wife at the time, we were making about $150,000 a year. Um, and at I was your other job, my other job. You yeah. had the job. That's built. right. I wasn't, I wasn't working offshore anymore, but I was in the office. And I, so I got out of the field cause I knew I didn't want to be offshore whenever I had kids. So, um, we're making about 150 grand and we have a lifestyle that is about that. Right. And we wouldn't live a super extravagant, but we just, we spent a lot of money on a lot of, most of it foolish yeah. things, but we spent a lot of money because we were making it, we were young, we had no responsibilities other than each other. So I get let go. So if we go from 150 in income to 30,000. Mm, yeah, yeah. So my wife who has a college degree, right, is making $30,000 a year. Right. And so that was very, very scary, right? Yeah, buddy. So I remember yeah. sitting down and just talking to her and just being like, look, I'm gonna do whatever it takes so that you don't have to change your lifestyle because I got fired because I lost my job, right? So um, yeah. so I tell her that and I make her this promise of like, hey, I know this real estate thing sounds crazy. Mm -hmm. I know that you don't know if this is gonna work or not, but I believe that this is what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And if you give me five years, yeah. I'm gonna put you on a five-year plan and like you'll better retire in five years, right? Yeah, yeah. So I tell her this with like very little, like, like yeah. you know, yeah. I, there was not full belief there, right? There's it's maybe always like five years, 20, like, right, right. 20, we're never going to have to work, work in five yeah, years, 20 like. or 30% belief that, that this is going to be the case for her. Um, you know, that I could actually accomplish this. Right. But I had some enough belief to take action. So we get into to real estate. And the first thing that the obvious thing that everyone, and I get asked this, you know, multiple times a week, usually is like yeah. flipping houses. So yeah. that was the most palatable thing for us at the time is like, we're going to flip houses. Yeah. And so we started looking for single family houses and flip those houses. And then when we got profit from those, we were going to buy low income rentals yeah. to replace that steady stream of income. Right. So that yeah. was kind of the game that we started to play. And we found a guy at the time who, um, you know, was, was became a mentor uh, to us that we actually, so me and Brit, me and Brandon went into business together and we found this guy named Nate to mentor us. And we started paying him 500 bucks a month 
um, when we didn't even have enough to pay our own bills. Yeah. And, but we knew that we needed help and we needed guidance. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, that was a tangible example of like us writing checks and betting on ourselves whenever we like, was like, we don't even have the money to do this, but like, we're going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. So we took all of our money. Mm-hmm. You know, I had about 30,000, he had about 30,000. We dump all this money into a flip house. Mm-hmm. Um, and Did you we, finance it or are you just, Oh yeah, it's good. Small? So I'm getting into this. This is one of my like, um, this, this shaped me, this first deal really shaped me. So, uh, my wife's mom is the vice president of a local bank, right? So nice. we go talk to them. They tell us no for this deal. This is a deal that we're buying for a hundred. It was already halfway completed by another investor. So it only needs about 20,000 left to reno. And it took us about two months to find the first deal of literally spending all of our days and nights looking for it. We passed up probably two other really, really choice deals um, in that. But we, we, anyways, we end up finding a house. It's a good deal. So we need $120,000. We're going to bring 60000 Half. The house is going to be worth about one fifty-five to one sixty when we're done with it. Somewhere yeah. that's what we anticipated. Yeah. So you're looking to make twenty-five to thirty thousand net yeah. net. Maybe. Yeah. So so we go to all these banks, dude, and we're going to put up half the money, yeah. and they all tell us no. Wow. Because they're like, don't guys, have jobs, we don't right? have income. They're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, guys, we have sparkling credit. Like we had hit Brandon, yeah. his credit was in the 800s, mine's high sevens. Yeah. We're like, look, we've never missed a payment in our lives. Like we're going to figure out a way to pay your debt, right? Like, yeah. And we're putting all of our money, all of our liquid net worth is going into this deal. Like yeah, we, you think we have gonna, everything to lose. You think we're not going to gonna let it work out? Right. Like, <laughs> like we have, if we don't work. Yeah, it's like yeah, we have yeah. everything to lose, guys. Like, yeah, that's the surest bet any bank could go with. But if, the, you have, if you're putting all your money in. I'll give you the money. But, dude, they just know, no, 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 right. no, because they have their Crazy. box to fit in. Yeah, for so, sure. So, they, yeah. so we find a private investor yeah. that is like, yeah, absolutely, we'll do this deal. Exactly. Right? That's like, like, they're licking their chops, sure, right? Dude, yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they're experienced real estate investors, and they do private money lending. So they're, 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 they're in a unique position. They understand the asset. They, they understand also, real risk. And they also understand, they also have the, the, the liquidity to, to invest in the deal. So they do the deal. And to take the deal over if they need to, to make sure it works. That's right. You know, so the, so they, the their risk is like you know? nothing, right? Yeah, it's yeah. like, so we do the deal and we make $17,000 on it mm. months later, right? And we feel like we are rock stars. How many months later? Three um, months? So we bought it in uh, our August and we sold it in, we went under contract in November, we sold it in December. So about four months. Yeah, three and a half, four yeah, months. Yeah, okay. uh, from close to close. Um, pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it was a simple renovation. You don't want it to go. You, you don't want it to go any further nope. than that, right? Yep. So we we close on this thing, and like, you know, it's one of those things where, like, again, we had some belief, but when we got the check yeah. at the end, it was like, oh my god, like we can do this. And the next month, we put three three more houses to flip under contract, yeah. right? Because now we had all the same skill set. We didn't gain that much skill set over that time period. No, but you we had confidence. Belief. Yes, we yeah, had belief. Yeah. yeah, We had belief now, so we went put three more under, under contract. So we ended up start flipping these single families and using all private money, which was a gift. It's the greatest, one of the, getting let go from my job was a great gift. This was also a great gift of the banks telling us no. Yeah. Because then, over time, we learned how to do this without the banks. Yeah. And learned how to do this with other people's money and that allowed us to pitch deals. It also made us buy good deals because if we didn't have a good deal, we couldn't get funding for it, right? Yeah, yeah. Money doesn't go to bad deals. It does sometimes, but very rarely does money go to bad deals. Yeah. That, that happens, but the majority of the time, the money in the marketplace, the capital by private investors is very wise. Like It, it knows to, how to evaluate risk. It's very efficient at yeah. a, 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 
investing that money. Yeah, yeah. So, so we learned how to find good deals because it was the only way we could get them funded because we had no bankability. Yeah. So that turned into us building up a small uh, rental portfolio of about 22 houses, yeah. some duplexes or some quadplexes, some single families. And so uh, through that, my, my business partner ended up going back into the oil field because you know, he, he just wanted to go back and have that stable base. And yeah. so I ended up getting my real estate license through that process, yeah. started selling some houses and kind of got distracted from the real estate investing. But I always had this kind of like where you're at right now is like, and those of you that are watching this, like you have this, you have this little pit, you have this little, this bit of hope in your stomach. Like uh -huh. you have this little, this little seed that you know can have life, but you're scared to water it or give it attention. I had that for multifamily and I just knew like, this is where I, I wanted to go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because I knew that what I had to give was not about the real estate investing. I knew that it was the influence and the impact I was gonna have on people's lives to go through situations that like I was in to about to help them one day. Like I, I, even though I didn't have the track record or the credibility or any of those things, I knew that was something in me that I was, that God had created me to, to give, right? Yeah. So I'm thinking about how do I do this at scale? And I'm like, I'm looking at these houses and we're flipping them and just like, I'm like, this doesn't scale well, right? No. So I just kind of knew like multifamily was the place to go. So. In, in 2019, we kind of decided, all right, we're going to break the partnership up. He kind of wanted to get out of the game. So we ended up selling a bunch of those houses. I ended up buying a couple of them from the partnership. And then in 2020, I really started focusing on multifamily and learning about it and really like making those investments right in the checks to get the knowledge. And that's when I kind of transitioned. And then in 2021, I ended up buying a 55-unit mobile home park and buying a 77-unit apartment complex um, that I, one of those, the, the mobile home park, I had one partner on the other one. We have five passive partners and we raised about a million bucks for that deal to put it together. Mm -hmm. So my first real syndication, um, in 2021. And so that shift was just simply a, a mindset shift of, yeah. I, I know I want to go into multifamily. He didn't, my business partner at the time didn't really want to go there. And so we kind of made that shift in 19 to kind of get rid of some of these assets in 2020 and then position myself in 2021 to do that. And at the time, I am now full-fledged, distracted, like most yeah. us entrepreneurs get. I'm running a sales team. Yeah. I'm selling 50 houses a year. Yeah. And I'm running a sales team that's selling 300 houses a year, yeah. 10 agents, five admin. Just my days, Bo, are like, I have no freedom. Yeah. I am a slave to the agents that I'm serving. I am a slave to the clients that I'm serving. I am a slave to the couple investments that I had that I wasn't managing properly at the time. Yeah. So I'm just a slave to my environment at this point. Yeah. And we had our third child and I was home for a couple of weeks and I was like, this is not why I got into real estate. Like yeah. I got into real estate for, for time autonomy and time freedom and I don't have any of this. And that's when I, I decided in that moment when I was home that I did not want to continue to spend my time the way I was spending it. Yeah. And I made a decision to buy multifamily and 30 days later. Yeah. I had one under contract. Yeah. And what, what, what was that one? Did you have partners? 55 or? unit mobile home park. Okay. Right. And then 45 days later, I closed on it. Yeah. Right. I didn't know how to get the financing. This was a way bigger loan than I'd ever gotten. I didn't know how I was going to get all the down payment money. Yeah. Right. So I brought in a partner to help with the down payment and the cash to close. Yeah. Gave them some equity in the deal. Went to the bank. The bank, I, I didn't have enough income yeah. at the time to justify the note, right? Yeah, yeah. But when you get it to multifamily, 
they're looking at can the asset justify the note? Right. Is the asset going to be able to pay this bill? And do we believe in Logan as an operator of the asset? Yeah. So it's a little bit different when you get into the multifamily space from a, the debt perspective is they're looking at do we believe in this asset? And then do we believe in the operator in that case, in me, yeah. do we believe in Logan's ability to operate the asset? Because we know the asset can pay the bills as long as Logan can operate it. So they're not, they, are, they do look at my personal financials, but they're not scrutinizing them. Like if you go buy a, a home loan or you go buy a, 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 even an investment loan for a single family rental, they're going to scrutinize it a lot more because you only have one income stream. If that renter doesn't pay, then they're looking at your ability to pay. Whereas in multifamily, there you have a bunch of people paying the bill, and if one or two of them leave, 10 of them in some cases, 20 of them, it's not a big deal. You can still service the debt. Yeah. So they're looking at the asset. Like, can the asset, can this asset pay the bills? Yeah. Um, which is one of the, 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 one of the barriers that most people are like, well, I don't have the money or I don't have the, I can't get this type of loan. It's like, yeah, you probably can. Um, and the bigger you go with multifamily, the easier that process is. The huh? easier and better the debt is. Yeah, you the, still need you still need to somehow come up with some money, right? Well, uh, you, well, you need unless to have some, you have a good plan, right? That's right. For the property. That's right. You need that. You need to have some credibility. So sometimes the you may be able to get the loan from a the asset you found and the deal you structured was good enough, but you need some credibility, which is multifamily is a is a team sport. Yeah, multifamily. Very few people do multifamily alone. And very few of them, even if they do it alone, do they do all the pieces of it. it even if they're the sole um, underwriter or the sole operator of the of the asset, they have a property manager and they have an accountant. And like it, it there's too many moving pieces. It's a business. It's not a real For estate sure. investment at that point. It's a yeah. business and has all the things a business has. It has employees, right? It has, you know, just all the things that you have to yeah. deal with. It has accounting, bigger tax finance, implications, accounting. Fi- yeah, yeah. Like you, you're now not like, all right, I'm going to look at this at the end of the year and see if I made money. It's like, no, we need to know if we're making money each month. Right. So yeah. it's a different level of accounting and tax planning. And yeah. it just, it's a, it's a living, breathing thing. It's a business in multifamily. Um, but it has the benefits of the real estate of like, yeah. if you could just keep this business afloat, yeah. it will become worth more money over time because we have this debt leverage yeah. and we have appreciation working on the asset where yeah. Is a traditional business. If you if it's a, a service based business, like the cash flow is all the value of the business. If you stop generating cash flow, you don't have any assets. You don't have any inherent value baked in. The real estate is typically not going to generate generate as much cash flow, but it has the the timeless effect of like if you just hold it and do nothing else, you're gonna make money. You're gonna become wealthier by just being able to hold the asset for a long period of time, simply because of the the um, exponential growth of, 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 of inflation. Yeah. It's the appreciation That's of the right. value of the asset. That's right. You know? Our minds think in linear terms, but inflation and a, and a compounded interest year over year, that compound effect is how inflation works. It's like inflation is 3% this year, but guess what? It's 3% of the 8% of last year yeah. and the 7% of the year before. Yeah. So it's not 3%, it's 3% more of all the compound we've already had, you know? Yeah. So yeah. it's always expanding exponentially. And so we experience that as consumers in our, at the gas pump and we, at, with the grocery store. But if you own the assets, yeah. you experience that in your stock value, you experience that in your real estate values, mm-hmm. you experience that in every area of assets except for cash. Yeah, Cash is the only asset that will be degraded by the inflation 
um, which is why you should have some cash and should be very safe. And, yeah. you know, the, that, that emergency fund that like, you know, I got several months of bills stocked up where I'm not sweating over, you know, paying the mortgage this month, but all the extra should be going into things that are not going to degrade away with inflation. They're actually going to gain value with that inflation, right, which real right. estate becomes one of those primary vehicles to, to yeah. do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting. So you got, so you started getting into those deals. So what, what did that feel like to, uh, to start controlling those properties and, uh, and what did it do to your financials, uh, after let's say two years of yep. doing that? Like you have the mobile home park, yep. you have that 20 unit apartment complex that you raised to maybe a million dollars, 77 unit, 77. Oh, yep. okay. Yep. 77 units. Uh, and, uh, and then I think you said, did you say you did another deal yourself? What you said I have a bu- I have a bunch of uh, yeah. smaller deals that I bought some independently, mm-hmm. and then I, I I bought a bunch of houses subject to this past twelve months. Yeah, some single families that are much nicer than what I traditionally owned. Gotcha. So I have some single families that I own solely. I have some single families that I own with some partners. Um, you know, just w- mostly one person. Um, yeah. and then a couple he- here and there with people that I own. Gotcha. And then I have the two bigger complex. So I have 150 units total today, gotcha. um, that gotcha. I'm either sole owner in or, or partners in. Yeah. Yeah. So what does that do to, uh, Logan's personal books over, let's say three years? Like, obviously that's a lot of debt at some yep. point, whatever, to whatever level that you're, you're in on it, as far as your personal guaranteeing mm. of different things, I guess. But, mm-hmm. um, but regardless of that, like, what does that do from a cash flow perspective? Like, what does that do to your books? Um, because you, that's your main source of income besides like being a real estate agent, yep, right? Yep. So you make fees doing that too. Yep, so yep. you make income doing that. But yep. like, uh, what should somebody ex- expect when they start going heavy into multifamily quickly? Does it, is there a, uh, is there a bell curve? Like, uh, does it take a little bit to get ahead of yourself, uh, cash flow wise? What, what does it that depends like? on what type of asset you're buying. Yeah. Right. So I'll give you some, some hard numbers like the mobile home park. Yeah produces about $45,000 a year of okay. net income, net, net income after set asides, after I pay all the bills, the mortgage, everything, deferred maintenance, uh, deferred uh, maintenance reserves. Like that. Yeah. That's uh, after all the actual expenses and the set aside expenses that I do every month. And that makes about $45,000 a year net, uh, from that one asset. And it requires almost zero time. And I bought it when it was already stabilized, but it had rents that were greatly undervalued. So the rents had lots of room to go up and I had to basically do very little capital expenditures on the park. The mobile home park, I mean the the apartments on the other hand, those needed lots of value add. So a lot of that money that we brought into that deal, we did $800,000 worth of renovations. Yeah. So when you're doing that and raising the rents, the cash flow is stifled in those those times. Because so you have to it takes time to raise those rents it, and, and get you the have, right tenants. You have the there. vacancies. You have vacancies yeah, right. while you're renovating units and turning those over and so to renovate all the units and go through all that vacancy and then you get it filled up. Like we just like got year, to the point maybe, two years later, two years. only because we had some trouble with some contractors and just like <laughs> we had we had a lot of of headaches that were yeah, yeah. Uh, that were unforeseen. And um, but that deal didn't require you to run back to the bank and dump more money than you expected into it. It or did. did it? We actually did. Okay. We 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 went back to the bank. The bank said no. Okay. And we went back to the investor group and we raised additional money, which is a capital call, which is like a couple hundred you're, thousand. You're another hundred. Okay. Um, and like that's like your worst case scenario as a, as an operator, right? It's like you got to go back and ask for more money. But we had all these scenarios that were working against us. We bought it well, yeah. and we still are. It's going to be a positive deal. But our insurance price is basically doubled, yeah. right? Because it's down here in the south. That's yeah. So we went from we underwrote it at forty five thousand dollars a year 
of insurance. And right now our cost is $92,000 a year for the insurance on that. So yeah, where, that's $45,000 that of, of, it's in Jennings, Louisiana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So $45,000 a year, right? Of yeah, yeah. just straight profit that would be going into our pockets that is now going to insurance cost. And, um, we had to, you know, the renovations cost a little bit more. Again, we had, we have a lawsuit against a contractor. It was just, mm, yeah. so, um, we had some termites that we didn't know about that, that showed up later on. The sellers were not honest about everything, like every deal. So like all this stuff happened that went against us. Right. And it's still going to be a net positive and we're still in positive cash flow now that we're stabilized and we have a couple units left to renovate, but we're pretty much done with the, with the, the bulk of the lift. So now we're finally starting to make money on this two years later. So the asset really dictates, whereas the mobile home park, I bought that thing the first day I bought it, I made positive cash flow, mm -hmm. And from that point I made more cash flow, and then I refinanced it and pulled some of that equity out. We pulled 200, we got all the cash out, which was 285 mm -hmm. on the refinance. Mm -hmm. And then we pulled another couple hundred thousand dollars of profit out and it still cash flows positively. Yeah. So it depends on the type of asset that you're buying, whether you're going to, how fast that can happen. In the case of that deal, we, the mobile home park, we could have not pulled the cash out and left it in. And with the Higher increased rent, flow, yeah. we'd have more cash flow sure. coming in every month. So it all goes back, Bo, of like, what are you trying to accomplish? It's like, you have to say, what are my goals? Where am I trying to go? The reason why most people never get into a deal is they're not super clear on what they're trying to get out of it. Their expectations of what they're trying to get out of the real estate is not clear. They think they know, but it has to be very specific. And when you have a very specific outcome, then you can assemble a very specific plan that becomes actionable to actually get into a deal. Like yeah. when we first got started, we were like, we have to flip houses to you, pay our you bills. Need cash. Yeah. We, we have you to turn money cash. over. Right. So we were okay. You don't with, have two years to wait for a no, deal to stabilize. Right? No. Like we, we needed money now, right? So like we have to have money now to pay our bills. So flipping houses became our job. And so a lot of people yep. want to get into real estate and their goal is passive income. Yeah. But they're looking at active income sources. Right. And so I have to explain and that the conversation. Tax, tax implications are oh, much different there too. That's right. It's like, like, they are literally coming in and saying, I want to go flip houses. I'm like, like, hold yeah. on. You want you another job? You already have a job. You want, you want a second job? Yeah, exactly. Like that's, And they're like, well, like, well, I can make this money. I'm like, yeah, but it's a job. Like, you don't realize this is you not You can also passive. make the money doing something else. And and right? I would right. argue that you should make the money doing something else because you already have a skill set. You're probably better at it. And an ability to generate capital that's, right. that's equivalent to that that's right. somewhere else faster. That's right. So if, you're, if your goal is passive income, then you need to go and you need to generate more cash to put into deals either with someone else yeah. or into your own deals that you are in buy and holds that it's actually passive income. And I even hate that term. It's like recurring income is what people are looking for, right? Yeah, yeah. Because no real estate income is passive. Yeah. Um, even when you invest with somebody else and, and invest passively into their deals, you still have to go and wire the money in. You yeah. still have to vet that operator. Like there's still work to be yeah. done to generate that income. Mm -hmm. But it, is it mostly passive? Yes, if you pick the right types of investments. And if you're the big money guy. You That's know, right. If you just bring capital to a deal and you leave all the rest to the not as rich guys, yes, uh, maybe it's a little more passive. It, it, it can be. Most people aren't that way. You yeah. can look at the bell curve of like <laughs> who owns all the money in this country. Okay, yes. it's a very few amount of people. That's right. Those are the passive guys. 99%, I would even say 100% of everyone listening to this, you're not the passive You're guy. not the guy. You're going right? to have to get your yeah. hands dirty. Yeah, you know? and, in yeah. some capacity. And that, yeah. that, that, that getting your hands dirty... We have this bias that the next thing is going to be better than the current thing. 
I, I do it included. That's why I've jumped to all these different asset classes. I love mobile home parks and apartments and I've done single families and duplexes and I've flipped houses and I've do, I do some private money lending on deals where I'm, I'm pulling my money and other people's money into deals where I am becoming, trying to act passive. I, I'm becoming that person yeah, yeah. that I needed yeah. when I got started yeah. that would loan me money when the banks wouldn't. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. And so, but guess what? Somebody still has to vet that deal. They have to vet that operator. Like there's always an active piece to every single real estate deal. And so you have to decide, do you want that to be your job? Mm -hmm. Or do you want to have another job that allows you to own the real estate? Because those are the two paths. It's like you have to, I still have to generate money. How do I generate money? I syndicate deals. I'm still doing deals. I'm the operator of deals and I generate more money by putting deals together. I connect the money and the deals and I'm the guy that's, that's, I'm the quarterback, if you will. Right. I'm, I'm not, I don't have always have the ball. Right. But I always know where the ball's going. I always know who needs to have the ball. And so, so I'm the quarterback of this deal because these deals are bigger than just me. And so but some people don't want to be the quarterback. They just want the benefits of winning the game. It was like, all right, well, maybe yeah. you need to go make money somewhere else and give it to somebody like me or like you in the future or, your, yeah. or, or another operator that knows what they're doing, that they want the benefits of the real estate, but they don't want real estate to be their job. Sure, yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the distinction I think is like, do you want real estate to be your job or not? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because having a job in real estate and having passive income from real estate those are two separate things that, that get meshed together a lot, but they're yeah. really totally separate. Yeah, that's the number one trap, I think, because I've been through all these mental traps in real estate because I've an analysis by paralysis, you know, I mean, paralysis by mm-hmm. analysis. But that's the number one trap, I think, that people don't realize is the difference between the active income and the recurring, more passive income yep. situation. Because, uh, and that's what I realized too, because I operate construction companies and I'm like, uh, well, um, doing jobs and turning money on a project is the same thing as what I do for a homeowner that just hires me to do a job. And at the end of the day, I take less risk by dealing with the homeowner and I probably make more money to be honest with you, uh, depending on the circumstance and the project. So it was, it was easy for me to identify that trap. Uh, but I I would say maybe a lot of other people don't realize that, but there's also a huge, uh, those tax implications are are completely different. All the money that you make on that turn and burn flip stuff is, uh, it's just like you made it, uh, at a job. Ordinary it's, income. That's right. You know, yep. you're going to get hit at the same tax bracket yep. as everybody else. So all those, the tax benefits, the lofty uh, stuff that you hear about in real estate, or, you know, you don't pay taxes, you dep- depreciation, accelerated depreciation, bonus depreciation, all that kind of stuff. It's it's not there. It's the same thing. So uh, that's the biggest trap. So if you're watching this, like, I'm not the guy to be uh, teaching you this because I don't have a lot of experience <laughs> in it, but I have looked at it a lot. And uh, I do understand taxes pretty well. Um, so uh, if you, all that money you're making on your flips, it's going to be 25 to 30 to 40 percent, depending on uh, how much money you're making. And if you're making up upwards of that 40 percent, unless you're flipping a lot of houses, you probably should just keep doing the same thing. You know? Yeah, and for then sure. Pull, pulling the money over and putting it into different deals that you can hold for over one year. You yes. Know? You have yes. to hold it over one year, yep. you know, uh, to get the uh, long term capital gains. Right. Not to mention just from a, a, a my, an investor mindset of like, let's look at the great investors and they, they, none of them take short term approaches. Yeah, that's true. Warren Buffett says that that's he doesn't right. plan on owning it. He's a lifetime if, guy. If I won't own it for 10 years, I don't want to own it for a day. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. So I was like, that's a very different time frame of investing or different perspective. Yeah. And so I think the trap that people get caught in, Bo, is they, they're so, um, dissatisfied 
with their current circumstances, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. They think that real estate is going to provide the vehicle That's to right. change those circumstances immediately, right? And it's not like this yeah. is a long game. Like, yeah. I know people that will say, "No, I'm not buying this house because it only cash flows fifty dollars a month," but they can use other people's money exclusively to do the deal. Yeah. And in ten years, that's going to be a hundred and fifty thousand dollars or two hundred thousand dollars of net worth for them. Yeah. And they're going to pay zero taxes on it. Yeah. And they say no to that because it only cash flows $50 today. And I'm just like, hey, what game are you playing? I'm mm -hmm. playing the, I want the big ball later, mm -hmm. right? So I'm, I'm buying those assets that only cash flow $50 a month. And will it change my life materially? Not right now, but I'm not playing the game for right now. I'm playing the game for later, mm -hmm. right? And I didn't start that way though. So it's like, it, you have to have baby steps, right? You have to have those, you know, you take the first step and my mindset now is not the same. And what I'm looking to do now is not the same. And I've identified just over time is like, I love stewarding other people's money. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. I love helping people get in the game of real estate without having to have the, the, the industry specific knowledge, without having to get their hands dirty, that I love to educate them and help them see that this is a great investment and that they don't have to know all the pieces to get in this game. Yeah. Right. So I just enjoy taking people's money, showing them the opportunity and helping them generate a return. So I don't really necessarily love doing the heavy lifts or doing the renovations or I'm not the contractor guy. I don't like getting my hands dirty, right? Like right, I right. will, yeah. but not in that sense. Like I don't, I don't like being involved in the nitty gritty of, of the deals or operating them. I like finding them, structuring them and, and putting every, all the pieces together. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't. So what I've done is over the course of time, I've learned that, Hey, I really like to steward other people's money and I like to steward my own money. And I want to just focus on that piece and I'll go find people that are doing the things. Oh. Is yours on? Is it red? It's still red. Yeah. Okay. It's that one then. Okay. Forget it. We don't need it. So I'll go find people that are doing the things and, and they are, have a track record in the space that I want to be in. Maybe it's mobile home parks or apartment complexes or self storage. And they have spent decades of their lives dedicated to this one asset class. Yeah. And I like options. So I want to go find that person and I want to go bring money to their deals yeah. because that's the piece of this, of this, you know, multiplayer game that I enjoy. Yeah. So I'm going to do the piece that I'm really good at yeah. and I enjoy, and I'm going to go add value to somebody else's deal. And then we're all going to make money together yeah. and I can get scale that way. And then for my personality type, like most entrepreneurs, I don't want to focus on one asset for, you know, 10 years. Yeah. Like that doesn't sound fun to me. That sounds like I'm pigeonholed and like, I don't like that feeling. I am an opportunistic investor. I go where the deals are like, yeah. and as things change and as the market changes and as the economy changes, I'm looking for where are the holes mm -hmm. and where's the most value. And I'm gonna say, who's already filling these holes and let me go add value to them. And yeah. so that's kind of the play that I'm running today is, yeah. is, um, is I am wanting to steward people's money and teach them yeah. in a way that they could invest themselves, but they decide, Hey, I would rather just have Logan be the intermediary for me and help me go place my money where I get the benefits of the real estate without all the headaches. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. I, uh, this has all been really good information. I think we're kind of, kind of to that point, you know, I would say, uh, one of the things I want you to do is really just tell the listeners, you know, assume they're kind of like me, you know, or, uh, or, and they haven't really gotten into it and just give them your best advice as to how to get over this psychological, because yep. it is psychological as far as real estate, it's psychological in a big way. Uh, and I identify that. 
um, uh, just help them understand how taking that first step is is uh, 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 the most important part, and uh, and how to get to that point mentally. And we'll kind of we'll kind of end with that, you know. Yeah, man, I, I've I've been thinking about this because I hear you ask this to some of the other you know the other guests on your show as I've as I've listened to it. Yeah, and, sure. And, yeah. Um, yeah, and you can talk about whatever you want, really. You don't have to talk about real estate. For you know? sure. I, I, depending on the guest, you know, I'll ask them uh, to either, you know, motivate that person who is going through a very challenging time. I think you, your information may be geared a little bit better uh, to helping people get over that psychological hurdle, yep. maybe. And that's what, and that, I, I don't, I, I wasn't sure where I was going to go with this. And, yeah. but I think the thing that, you know, if you're watching this right now and you're stuck in that place, of analysis paralysis. Yeah. The thing that really gets me through whenever I'm in those positions is knowing that I am going to feel the most alive and fulfilled whenever I make the bet on myself. You may have had parents, you may have had teachers, you may have had a coach, you may have had somebody that spoke something negatively to you, something that was not who you are and who you're designed to be that you have picked up as your identity. And I am here to say that that is not your identity. Your failures do not define you. I believe that God has defined you. He has already called you a winner. He sent his son to die on the cross for you. So that's how much value and worth you have. And that when you place the same level of worth on yourself that he already has, that you now have this force that's driving you that no circumstance can stop. And like, you're never going to regret taking the shot, but you will regret watching other people shoot and sit on the sidelines. So do not be at the end of your life, wherever you're at, do not be at the end of your life sitting with the regret of, I wish I would have, I wish I would have did the thing. And when that fear becomes bigger than your current fear of looking stupid or not being accepted, that is when you're going to take action. Until then, until you have a bigger fear than your current fear, you're going to stay stuck on where you're at. And for me, that's getting to the end of my life and realizing that I fell short in all this that God had for me because I was simply afraid of what other people thought. And for me, that just like, that just propels me forward. And I just like, I will get into those uncomfortable situations and make the bet on myself because I want to know for sure that I left it on the field, mm -hmm. whether I win or lose. Yeah. Yeah. Outstanding, man. Yeah. It's a hundred percent, right. That's great advice. And, uh, and it's great advice for me too. So I appreciate that. Yep. I appreciate you being on today and, sure. and sharing your knowledge with us and sharing all that motivational stuff as well. You yeah. know, it's always good to have that, but it's not motivation comes and goes, right? That's you right. Know, you got to change and you change through action. Yep. Right. So I appreciate you coming on, man, and, and chopping it up with us today. Thank, Thank you. you for having me, man. Yeah, absolutely, man.